Thank you, Brother Ken, and thank you for each of you to blend your voice with ours as we attempt to give God the glory. In this song, there are many wonderful thoughts. Of course, the main theme is living for Jesus, a life that is true. And being dedicated, its concept of reciprocity, he died for us, now what do we do for him? It's so wonderful to see all of our young people here this morning. It's always a blessing to have them in our service. And I thank God for the opportunity uh, to speak with you and to you. It has been this week, Thursday, uh, I was 67 years old. 67 years old. That's when I gave my life to Christ at the age of 19. 67 years ago, 1952, that's a long time ago. And to young people, that's a lifetime. And later in this month, October, in about October 9th, it'll be 64 years that we've been involved as a servant of God in the ministry. Time moves by. It goes by quickly. As the earth spins on its axis around the sun, we call it day and night. We call it a 24-hour segment. And, it, and it's, each day goes by, it goes into weeks and months and eventually years. And we seem to mark time in that sense. But remember that a thousand years is like a day under the Lord, and a, and a, and a day is like a thousand years. It's irrelevant with God. We need to think about the fact of the pathway of life. And I've often done some reflection, and I would hope you would do so too. No matter how young you are, if you're middle age, if you're still in school, if you're in middle school, or if you're in junior college, or if you're university, or if you're even retired, it makes no difference. I want you to use some reflection, time of reflection, to think about where you are on the pathway of life at this time. We all have to come to reality with our own demise at sooner or later. That is a fact of life. We're not here to bludgeon anyone or to preach fear, but we are here to talk about reality. In the very beginning of time, Adam and Eve were given a commandment. They said to multiply and replenish the earth. Newsflash, the earth has been replenished. Would you not say? Whether well, seven billion people around the world, that's replenished from two people. That's replenishment. That's refilling the earth. And so the pathway of life was given many years ago. And of course, it was necessary because of the fall of man to be redeemed, to be bought back, and to think about where our path is and what path we're on. And of course, we hear from time to time, and society teaches one thing. The good book teaches another. And for our initial text, I want to just use a few verses in the seventh chapter of Ecclesiastes. The seventh chapter, the first verse says, a good name is better than precious ointment. A good name is better than precious ointment. And a day of death, better than the day of one's birth, is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men and the living will laid to his heart. Think about that. We're taught just the absolute opposite. We have baby showers, we have new babies into the world, we have wonderful celebrations, we have birthday parties year after year after year after year, and we celebrate the fact that we are marking time and that we've spent so much time on the earth. 
regardless of the path that we're on. And of course, we go from the embryonic stage, because of the power of co-creation and procreation, and we go from the embryonic stage to that of infancy, and from infancy to toddlerhood, and from toddlerhood to preteens, adolescence, it's sometimes called, and we go from teenage life to young adulthood, and if we're fortunate enough to go from young adulthood, we go to adulthood, and then middle age, and then what we call the senioritis and senior citizen level of life. That is the cycle of life. That is the pathway I submit to you young people, middle-aged people, and older brothers and sisters like myself. That is the pathway that we're on. And so we come here in the house of God, a place dedicated for his sovereignty, for his presence, for his spirit, for his love, for his peace, for his comfort, and put away all the cares of life, because what path we've been on all week is irrelevant. And whether we're cheering for this football team or that football team, and we get so excited this time of year because we're all into football. And it goes from there to other sports and other activities, either the drama, musicals, whatever you are. But you know, he tells us here that a good name is better than precious ointment. So there's a protection of a good name. And of course, you can argue with the concept of what is good and what is a good name. Uh, today, you're told that you can, if you feel like Hercules, you're Hercules. If you feel like a man, you can be a man. If you feel like a woman, you can be a woman. feel tall and short, you can be tall or short. If you feel like you're one ethnicity or another, you can be that way too. I'm not sure that's all true, but that's what we're told and that's what we're taught. The fact of the matter is you are who you are. And you were born of parents not by your choice, but by their choice, hopefully, that you come into the world. And as you come into the world of development, as you grow to the age of accountability through the adolescent years, you're exposed to a bevy of ideologies, philosophies, religiosity, all kinds of things. And at some point, we have to make a choice. That what path am I going to be on? My choice was made for me when I was a drowning 19-year-old youngster in the Air Force of our country in Long Island, New York. As I was drowning, I knew my life was taken from me, and I was losing, and I was looking like a, a video of my life going before me, that I cried out, cried out simply, oh Lord, have mercy on my soul. That's all I could say. I find myself on the seashore Atlantic Ocean, and the rest is history. We've lived it. We hitchhiked 125 miles to Bronx, New York, where I knew our childhood pastor would be leaving for Italy, and we gave our life to Christ. And I tell my students, I've told professors, I've told whoever I've met, that the ocean in which I nearly lost my life is the ocean in which I found it. Now the question is, it took a traumatic experience for me to wake up to the reality of why we're here. Living for Jesus, a life that is true. Striving, as it were, to please him in all that we do. If we can use this analogy, let's assume that uh, most of you live to be the age of one of our brothers here. Let's say 60 years. Just, you know, just we'll use 60 as a round number. 
And let's say that counting our baby years and the present years, that most of us sleep an average of eight hours a night over your lifespan, would you say? Uh, maybe more, maybe less, but whatever the case might be. But the fact of the matter is, did you know that you just spent 20 years of sleep? You never thought of that. 20 years of sleep. And if you're 15 or 16, you spent five years of sleep. Oh, yippee. Woo. We have to sleep to rest our bodies. That's a requirement for life. So the pathway of life is eating, drinking, and sleeping for the most part. That's the pathway. And as we get older, we might recognize the opposite sex and get involved with dating or courtship, maybe even marriage. And who knows, maybe even offspring along the way. And if you live long enough, you might be fortunate to be a grandpa or great-grandpa or great-grandma, whatever the case might be. But in the meantime, you have cousins, you have relatives, you have friends, and they're all going along percolating, beautiful, and everything is wonderful until you hear the news that someone needs special prayer because all of a sudden, C snuck up on them. C, what is C? The big C. Cancer. Or some other disease. Or some other frailty like my darling niece. Thank God her, her, you need to know this, that through your prayers and through God's help and through the medical science, her cancer is stagnant. It hasn't grown at all. Well, we thank God for the extension of life for that young woman who's a grandmother now. So in the pathway of life, we're exposed to all kinds of issues and situations. And on the pathway, or if you want to call it a roadway, a turnpike, I don't care what you call it, it's fine. There's, there are signs that say no speeding or speeding, this is safe, this is not safe. And if you get off, you might end up in the, the, the ditch or somewhere else, you might be in an accident. There are detour signs, there are all kinds of signs that come our way, disruptions of one type or another, and that's life. Plot it on your computer. That's life. Today you're rich, tomorrow you're poor. Tomorrow you're, today you're poor, maybe tomorrow you're fairly wealthy or getting along. You know, we spend most, and we spend another 20 years roughly, or thereabouts, depending on how much edu education you have. Formal education, eight years, 12 years in high school, junior college, 14 years. If we're going to university, maybe 16 years, going to, beyond that, postgraduate, maybe 20 years. Some of us spent 20 plus years in school. In school. 20 years of sleep, 20 years in school, what's left? On the pathway of life, what's left? Well, there's time to eat, there's time to recreate, there's time to go shopping, there's time to drive, there's time to wait in line. Oh, I love that part. You know, <laughs> hurry up and wait. Yesterday we went shopping, hurry up and wait. I thought I was in the military once again. Hurry up and wait. Everybody wait, and the line is long, and you gotta wait, and you gotta wait. And they cut down on the retail people that are gonna service you. So consequently, you just stand in line, and you just bear it, grin. I said, Lydia, relax, just take it easy. You know, nobody's getting excited. Just relax. So I don't know how many minutes or years we spent waiting in line. You can measure your own and do your own calculations. We call that life, the pathway of life. It's absolutely amazing how quickly it goes. And so this writer says it's better to cry at birth, think about that, and celebrate at death. Raise your hands, how many of you celebrated death? Thank God Brother Tony's gone. Hey, let's have a celebration. That's what I tell my children. Have a good party. Celebrate. Because where I'm leaving, I know where I'm going. 
and that's my plan, living for Jesus, a life that is true. With all the talents, abilities, and skills that God gives each and every one, we're accountable. Three talents, six talents, nine talents, whatever number of talents you have. And your young people all have talents too. Thinking power, youth on your side, strength, energy, gray matter, on and on and on. Maybe you can sing beautifully. Maybe you can speak beautifully in public or whatever you do. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Maybe you can play baseball well. I don't know. Maybe, you know, we have people that are playing baseball, making millions of dollars, and they're 19 and 20 and 21 years old. It's absolutely amazing. And you look around at all the careers, and I'm going to go through all 50,000, but there are 12 streams, the agricultural stream, the educational stream, the medical stream, and other streams are out there, transportation, whatever. And we find a little niche. I'm going to do this, and I'll play this role while I'm on the earth, and this is the path I'm going to take. I don't know, all up here. You got a banker up here? I don't, get, I don't even know what role you play, but I do something in public relations. I, I'm not sure what you do, but that's okay. And, land, and, planner. Land, planner. land planner. Land planner. And general manager. General manager. Okay, and you can all give me your identity. That's great. So you spend 15, 20 years doing whatever you do. I see Brother Ivy out there. He spent a lot of years in law enforcement serving humanity. And of course, all of you do something. I don't care if you're in retail sales. I don't care if you're a barber. I don't care if you're a bricklayer or a builder. Jesus said, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. No matter what role you play in life, and you've got to play one of those roles to survive, to get that paycheck, to pay the house bills, pay the electric bill, pay the air conditioning bill in this country, in this state, and all that, and your car payment, and all the other payments. And if you have children, you've got to raise them. That's about a $250,000 investment from zero to 18 in the average home without a college education. Think about that. If you have four children like I did, that's a million bucks. I never thought of that before we had children. Have a million dollars in debt to have four children. But that's what happens. So we get locked in to those areas. But Jesus said, when you've done it to one of these around you, you've done it to me. So let me suggest, you don't just serve God in this house, in this building. You serve God in your occupation. You serve God whether you're playing golf on the golf course. I don't care if you're the bowling alley. Young people are having a good time. And whatever you want to do, going out for fun, have some pizza and music and whatever, dancing, whatever you want to do, you're serving God because you're serving your fellow man in some capacity. And that's what it's all about. And finally, in St. Matthew, he says this, in the seventh chapter, he said, in the 13th verse, Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many are they that walk therein. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few are they that found it. Now, I want to ask you a, a specific question. What roadway or what pathway have you been on? Have you been on the wide path? Are you on the narrow road? Do you know your destination? You know, I spent over six years going to school, higher education, working 32 years on my doctorate, that's irrelevant. But the fact is, I spent all that time and energy and the night studying, and just forget the kids, forget the wife, forget everything, just got to pass this exam. We've all done it. For what purpose? The purpose is to earn a little better income so we can have a better lifestyle, to enjoy life as we call it, living a life on earth. But in the meantime, in the interim, you got to think about living for Jesus. 
a life that is true, striving to please him. So sometimes I look back and I wonder, we had the mission at Kent State University. I wondered, how did I pastor, lay bricks in the summer, go to school, teach, and take care of my family all at one time? I don't know how I did that. Multi I guess you call it multitasking. I don't know. But you, you play a lot of different roles. You do things that you don't think you can do. And when you're young, you can do that. You don't worry about the 12-hour, 13-hour day. I talked to my son, Bruce, who had this hernia surgery last week. And he's recovering well. And the doctor said, not even drive a mile to work. Just stay down and relax and just take it easy. Okay, good. I don't know when he got his hernia. It doesn't make any difference. He had to finally have that surgery. So somewhere along the way, there was strain involved. And there was pain that followed. And there was surgery, and now it's a healing process. Now it's relaxation period time, time of rest and relaxation. And so he's telling us here, that the scriptures, that narrow is the road that leads to the kingdom of God. It is restricted. There's no question about it. There are limitations. You have to drive with caution, extra caution. For all those around you, the world goes down the right the big road and the highway, it's easier to drive in a four-wheel. Now, I, I taught driver's ed at one time, and I made a mistake, a terrible mistake. I taught my wife how to drive. And never do that, because it's your wife or your companion. Let somebody else who's a driver instructor teach your family member. I never got around a freeway. So she won't drive on a freeway. That's part of freeway training. It's part of your driver's ed, right? How to get on, get off, and accelerate, not accelerate. So I'm not putting my wife down for that. I'm putting myself down because I was a poor teacher. You've got to think about what pathway you're on and where does that pathway take you? You know, now we have the GPS system. Now you can plug that in at a place unknown and, and hopefully your, G, your GPS is working right. You know what, that's God's perfect system? Oh no, it, it's a geographical positioning system. Yeah, but anyway... It will take you where you want to go, and you arrive at your destination. And so here we are in the house of God today, and we're all working on this program of our eternal and last mile of the way. There's uh, the Green Road. I don't know if you saw that movie years ago. The Redemption Highway and so on and so forth. Now we, we've got a real redemption highway here. We've got an opportunity for everybody else to get on the freeway, the spiritual way, to serve God in spirit and in truth. To give him your all, not only song and testimony and praise and thankfulness for all he does for us, but keep him forefront in our heart, our mind, and our soul. Realizing that this life will come to a close for everyone. Sometimes we're super shocked when a young person gets in an accident and their, snap, their life is snapped up. Oh, that's such a sinful thing. That's so bad. They had so much life to give and so on. 40, 50, 60, 80 years is nothing anymore. That earth is still spinning, and it's spinning around the sun, but we're so cognizant of it. We're so worried about it. But you see, when you have peace in your heart, you're not worried about 24-hour period. You do what you can, where you can, when you can. We visited Brother Mo this week. Brother Maurice Cole, he sends his love to each and all of you and his wife. She's not feeling well. But he had some severe heart attacks. And they put him in the hospital and they brought him home. And he called me two nights ago. He didn't think he was lived through the night. He had very severe pain in his heart. He's Brother Tony, I'm ready when the Lord's ready for me. How many can say that in this room? Young or old? That you're serving God the best of your ability. And when God is ready for you, you're ready for him. 
In fact, an older brother said on the way to the church this morning, an older brother, he says, he was 88 years old. He said, well, I've been sick, but he said, I'm not ready to go. I said, well, you better get ready pretty quick. <laughs> you know, what are you waiting for? I, mean, I don't get it. You think you'd be 100, 110, 120? It doesn't make any difference. You live the age of Methuselah. You've got to really understand what the Lord is saying here. Enter ye in the straight gate. So he's encouraging us to get into that straight, narrow path because it leads the pathway to eternal life. It's just a new beginning. That when I, in, in quote, using the vernacular of the day, when I kick the bucket, so to speak, that's a new beginning. I started over for all eternity. I can't measure eternity. Nobody else here can either. Because time is only related to man. But it doesn't matter. And that's why we're really here, aren't we? Living for Jesus, the life that is true. Striving to please him all that we do because he gave his life on Calvary for all of us. Do we not believe that this morning? What was your motivating factor? What brought you here this morning? You're not to hear Tony Pacino, I'm sure. You know, that's not, I'm just a man like you. I'm a servant, like my brothers. But we're here because we love the Lord. We want to be dedicated. We want to testify and sing of his praises. We want to get a little closer to him in some way. We want to feel the evidence of his Holy Spirit in our life. We want to have dreams and visions, experience. And above all, some of you I saw were reunited when I walked in. We want the power of healing to come into our midst. Of course we do. That's what we long for. That's why we serve God. Because God promises anything you ask and ask not amiss, I will. He didn't say I might. He said I will answer you. And he answers every prayer. It's not always to our liking, but he answers every prayer. And therefore we say, one sat alone beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind, the light he could not see. He clutched his rag, shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and bade my darkness way. This is preceding living for Jesus. That one came down that pathway. One came to resolve all of our issues, to help us through. I can't tell you how many times when we were building the mission in Kent State University, then I stopped at a public telephone on the way to class, and I had the phone in my hand, but I was talking to the Lord. I was on a spiritual telephone. I said, Lord, if you want me to finish these classes and go through this and get these degrees, you've got to be with me. The, the demand of the mission was phenomenal. We only had, we had about two people we started. We had about 18 to 22 when we left, but. It, it built up, and we met in the Glauber Hall, but it was a beautiful thing to see people come to Christ. And I remember so many wonderful experiences. One I'll share with you, and I'll sit down, that I remember the time that we were given an experience that we were fishing with a bucket, and we were pulling all these fish out of the ocean and putting them in a small pod. Well, I knew the interpretation of that. And we had a visiting elder that morning, evangelist, Brother Perry, and he was speaking, and I couldn't wait for him to sit down. And when he sat down, I jumped up and I tried to tell this experience. And as I told this experience, they were fishing with a bucket and we caught some fish. A sister jumped up and came down the aisle with a baby in her arms crying. All these tears down her cheeks, she said, I surrender all. And her husband finally came at the, at the river shore. So we, the fishes were there and that's our role. That's your job. I submit to you and suggest and I challenge each of you to bring a friend next week to this place where they might hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached about the pathway of life that leads to eternal life forevermore. You young people bring your friends like you have in the past and others bring your friends. So without further ado, I'm going to give way to my brothers. But remember the road that leads to perdition.
is wide, and many are they that walk therein. And I thank God we're on that path. We're going to try to stay on that path the best that we can, knowing of a surety that when this life comes to a close, that his word will remain true in our heart, that we will gain eternal life. May God have his blessing is my prayer. Our brother spoke to us out of uh, Matthew, out of the words of Jesus Christ. It was, um, it was the... Uh, other than he started out with the, uh, the verses in Ecclesiastes that truly do talk about uh, the temporary state of life and the permanence of our eternal souls, and then went to Jesus' teachings. And as I was um, listening to him and, and looking at what he had read, I was pondering about this, this thing about few there be that find it. I just thought, that's, that's so kind of sad of the Lord's teachings and the Lord's will in our lives that he would um, give us this beautiful life and this beautiful hope that we have of eternal life. And he says that few there be that find it. It's, it's like not so much that people stumble upon it themselves. But I also believe that the Lord Jesus, and we certainly know with, full, with our full understanding that he died on the cross of Calvary. He took away the sins of the entire world and he atoned for the sins of all of mankind and womankind who ever lived in history. So it's not so much he's trying to say that there's only a few select people that are exclusive to allowed to be partakers, but rather perhaps there's just a few that perhaps with, with their desire and their faith and their belief find it in, on their own. But there's the ability, and the Lord has given us, he, you know, he set up his church and he's given us a ministry that we would be able to bring others in, not in a, in a way of, you know, Brother talked about the experience of the fishing. Not in the way of forcefully, it's not so much um, trapping them, but rather it's just drawing them with the Holy Spirit of God. And I was um, thinking as he was speaking of something I had read recently in um, the Book of Mormon and the Book of Alma. And this is some instruction that um, Alma is giving to one of his sons. He had three sons who were ministers of the gospel. And as I read a couple of verses here in the 38th chapter of Alma, not so much that this is necessarily only for ministry, but I think it applies to all of us in that um, perhaps as we go out in this world, having the Spirit of God, having the knowledge and understanding we have of the gospel, I still think that um, the words that Alma has for his son in a way of advice and counsel is something that applies to us. So I'm going to read a few verses from the 38th chapter, starting in the 10th verse. I'm probably going to not go every single verse here, but um, he's talking to his son in Alma 38.10 and says, And now as ye have begun to teach the word, even so I would that ye should continue to teach, and I would that ye would be diligent and temperate in all things. This morning in, in uh, Sunday school, Brother Austin was teaching out of Ephesians, the 5th chapter, the fruit of the Spirit. And one of them was temperance. Another, uh, a lot of a lot of Bibles um, will will use the phrase for temperance, self-control. There's a there's a lot of similarities there. But what it really is 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 allowing the spirit to control our flesh. And he's saying to be diligent and temperate in all things. Now that we've embarked on this walk with the Lord, it's uh, it's incumbent upon us to be that example, to be um, faithful and true and diligent and constant. And again, he says, temperate in all things. He says, um, do not boast in your own wisdom. The next verse, see that you do not boast in your own wisdom, nor of your much strength. 
And again, brothers and sisters, and I think our brother Tony alluded to this also, um, we, we make commitments, we take on responsibility in our own life, pursuing a career, working in a job, and in the, in the church, perhaps in office, perhaps in the ministry. But he says, don't boast in your own wisdom or your strength. We have to all recognize, I think, that everything that we do, we give God all the honor and glory. It took me, um, I forgot, I was, I was just talking to somebody recently. It took me like seven years to get my bachelor's degree. And it's a long story, and I'm not gonna go into it. I'm not proud of some of it. But anyway, when I did graduate, I was just so grateful to God because I just felt that this was the Lord helping me and getting me through this. It was really not anything that I was able to breeze through. And I thank God that he gave me that ability. And I, I thank God that he even gave me the recognition that it was him and it was not me. He says in the 12th verse in this Alma 38th chapter, and I love this, he says, use boldness but not overbearance and see that you bridle all your passions and that ye be filled with love. See that you refrain from idleness. I like that, that first phrase, use boldness, but not overbearance. Have you ever been um, around somebody who's overbearing? They're just, just so, they just make such a loud noise when they walk into the room. Not a, not a noise to your ears, but just their physical presence and their presence in your, in your face almost is just too loud. It's like more than you can bear. And the Lord, that's why it says overbearing. The Lord says don't, be that way. You know, we want to perhaps, we want to give people the news of the gospel. We want to testify. Um, he says you can, you can be bold. Follow the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to guide you. There might be a time and a place. You know, brother, our brother read from Ecclesiastes in another, another section of that book, that beautiful book, talks about there being a time for everything. There's a time to speak and there's a time to remain silent. So be bold and not overbearing. We have to follow that Spirit. We have to know there's a time to speak and a time to remain silent. We uh, had the opportunity to visit with our dear brother and sister, Bert, this week, and um, it wasn't the time to speak. There were no words that we could say. We, we uh, embraced them, we held them, we cried, and we, we had no words. Um, so there is a time to remain silent, and we just, light, we just wait for the Spirit of God. And that's, that's sometimes that's how we... That's how we carry the gospel, too, in the same way. He says, going on a little bit in the 13th and 14th, he says, don't pray as the Zoramites do, and I'm not going to read that story, but basically in the 14th verse, don't say, O God, I thank thee that we are better than our brethren, but rather say, O Lord, forgive my unworthiness and remember my brethren in mercy. He says, yea, acknowledge your unworthiness before God at all times. And we are truly, if we look at ourselves, our own state, we are unworthy of God's salvation, of the gift that he gave us, that we have an opportunity to spend eternity in his presence. We look, as we, um, as we partake of the Lord's Supper and we remember his sacrifice, we look to that and understand that the worthiness that we have is Christ's worthiness transferred upon us, given to us as a gift. And that's the worthiness that we have. Um, you know, the Zoramites were so proud about their church that they had, and they said, everybody else doesn't understand what we understand. 
And I would hope and pray that even as the Church of Jesus Christ, we may, it may be true that we have a beautiful and wonderful and deep understanding of the restored gospel, the fullness of the gospel. But he says, remember my brethren in mercy. In other words, pray for everyone. Pray for all those who know the Lord and pray for those who don't know the Lord because there's so many who don't as well. Just pray for all of them and, and ask the Lord to have mercy on them. The Lord had mercy on each and every one of us, and we want the Lord to have mercy on others as well. He says, and now in the 15th verse, May the Lord bless your soul and receive you at the last day into his kingdom to sit down in peace. And he, again, he's exhorting his son, Go, my son, and teach the word unto his, this people. Be sober, my son. Farewell. These are Alma's kind of parting words to his second son, Shiblon, and uh, beautiful advice. And it kind of does remind me of some of the um, writings in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, um, especially in uh, Thessalonians, when he talks about rejoice evermore, give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Um, quench not the spirit. Those are all little phrases in that, in that fifth chapter of, I think it is 2 Thessalonians. And he's giving these little snippets of advice, how we should live our lives as saints of God. So perhaps few there be that find it Jesus was making reference to, but we can help people to find that straight and narrow way by being um, those lights to the world, by being that salt of the earth that the Lord told us that we were. So may God bless us um, as we go forth and as we, uh, as we saw our brother Tony testify today of his spiritual anniversary. For me, um, Monday was 41 years for me in the gospel, and again, there, I, can't, I, I don't even have words to express my gratefulness. I, I feel like the Lord rescued me from death and hell and eternity and a life of pain on earth um, that he spared me from, a life of sin, and I'm just so grateful for that. Uh, I don't say it in a boastful way. I, I'm not worthy of God's grace and mercy in my life. I'm so grateful for uh, the examples of my parents and those who are my spiritual fathers and mothers in many places throughout the church who set that example. Many who prayed for me, I'm sure, uh, whether I knew it or not, before the time I was born and even throughout my life. So I have so much to be grateful for today. And we're going to um, leave some time for your testimonies as well. May God bless you. May God um, guide and direct you in your paths. And as you seek to spread the gospel, when it's time to speak, follow the Spirit. And when it's time to remain silent, follow the Spirit. May God bless you this morning.